Hi, welcome to the Bioinformatics chat. My guest today is Marcus Schmidt. Marcus is a PhD student at Hangyang University in Seoul, South Korea. And uh, Marcus and I will be talking about seeding for read mapping. Marcus, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. So, Marcus, read mapping is, is essentially read alignment, right? And we could use the traditional alignment algorithms. So I think algorithms like Nittleman, Wunsch, or Smith-Waterman, the algorithms that probably every bioinformatics student learns like as one of their first algorithm. Uh, why are those algorithms not sufficient for read mapping? Why do we need something else? Okay, well, so there's um, actually two, two reasons. The first one is pretty simple. They're way too slow. So the Needleman, Wunsch, and Swiss Waterman algorithms are dynamic programming algorithms, meaning they um, open a matrix for that's on the x-axis would be the genome for, for read mapping and on the y-axis would be the read. And then they have to compute a score for every cell in this matrix. So their runtime is the size of the reference times the size of the read. And for if your reference is the whole genome, then this, this runtime becomes so huge because it's a squared complexity that they will just uh, take way too long um, in order to be practical. Um, so then the other reason is um, we have in reads, we have structure variants. Usually we don't map the reads against the genome that we, against the genome they actually come from, because if we already know the genome the reads come from, then there's no point in sequencing that, that genome again. So we usually we map um, the, the reads against a proxy genome, something that's similar, but not completely the same. And then we have structure variants. Uh, so maybe one read is actually, uh, let's say there's a huge translocation between two chromosomes and then the read is partly from one, partly from the other chromosome. And the Needleman-Wunsch and Swiss Motorman algorithms don't currently or cannot deal with this kind of um, situation. Maybe you could use the Swiss Waterman and like get the two best Swiss Waterman alignments in this case. But then there are other cases such as inversions where both Swiss Waterman and Needleman-Wunsch don't really work. Right. And uh, and so the alternative, one of the first alternatives to to simply the dynamic programming algorithm was uh, uh, was the BLAST algorithm. And it, it uses this notion of a seed. Uh, and the, the whole paradigm is perhaps known as seed and extend. So how yes. does that work? And how, what what is this idea of seeding? So I think it's seed and extend or seed chain and extend. I think sometimes it depends how, how detailed people want to be when they say that. And the idea is um, you want to use short um, sequences that are extremely similar between the, the read and the reference to first get an idea where to, um, where to actually look for your alignment. And by uh, by getting these seeds, you can then kind of maybe cluster them, find uh, an area where there's a lot of seeds, and then just do dynamic programming in this area to get the best alignment. And that way, you don't have to dynamic program over the entire reference. And so the idea is that these seeds are very easy to find, right? Uh, so the um, the simplest form of a seed is just a kmer, and then you can do like a hash map lookup you can immediately know. Uh, so you can take a camer from a read. Uh, you can take a camer from a read and um, you can look up exactly all the uh, locations where the camer uh, occurs in the genome. Uh, is, is this roughly how it works? And what, what are the steps involved? Yeah. So the, um, the idea is you can, um, before even starting your read alignments, you can take the reference by itself and compute an index for the reference. And that might be a very expensive step, but you only have to do it once because your reference never changes because you're always aligning against the same genome. And then when your read comes along, you can then use that index to very quickly find these seeds. Um, and there's um, a few different uh, classes of seeds. Uh, for example, fixed size and variable size seeds. So fixed size seeds would be 
perfect matches, so no errors. It's the sequences in the read and the reference must be completely equal. Um, but you have a predetermined size, so and that's what you already mentioned, the k-mears. And then variable-sized seeds, the, there the seeds can have um, different sides. We, again, we have perfect matches, so no differences, but the seeds can have uh, different sizes. And then there's also some other forms as gapped seeds and various others. Probably you can kind of come up with a lot of different ideas here. And so for for the fixed-sized seeds, we have k-mears. And uh, we also have other forms. So for example, we have minimizers. Uh, can you explain briefly how minimizers work and why can they be better than gamers? Yeah, so I would go over an intermediate step. So I would, so gamers is literally the simplest um, form of seed, as you already said that you can have, you just take all K-sized matches between a read and a reference. Um, and then the idea is, well, if we take all k-sized matches, there's a lot of k-sized matches that are consecutive. So let's say there's a region that's maybe 20 nucleotides long between a read and a reference that matches perfectly, and our k is 5. Then we have a bunch of these k-sized pieces that just follow one another and that overlap a lot. So the idea is, why do we need to compute these extra seeds if we don't uh, use them? They don't give us extra information because we already know this area is overlapping, so why don't we... Um, maybe just take every fifth five mirror, let's say, then we wouldn't have the overlaps. Okay, so that's uh, fine. You can take every fifth five mirror and you can do that um, for computing your index on the reference initially. That makes means your index will be five times smaller because you're taking five times less seats. Um, but then you only have every fifth um, k-mir uh, of the reference in your index. So then when you want to go with your query and you want to look up the k-mirs, you actually have to look up every single k-mir, not every fifth, but every single one. Because if you would also take every fifth and there would be an offset of a single nucleotide, then suddenly your k-mirs wouldn't match anymore. And uh, we know that sequences like to introduce three kinds of errors. So uh, mis um, uh, they substitute nucleotides, they insert new ones and they delete some. So it's very common actually to get this offsets via the insertions and deletions that are introduced by the sequences. Okay, so that's the um, the initial idea if we, we want to reduce the size of our index. And th that's called a, a fixed sampling, a fixed sampling, by the way, to take every n mth um, k-mere. But then we still have to look up um, for for a query of the size ten. We still have have to look up t uh, ten minus k many uh, k mirrors plus plus minus one. Um, <laughs> um, so the idea is, can we also get rid of these uh, these duplicate looks up lookups, especially if we know that most of the lookups will not yield results since we didn't actually put all the k-mirs into our index. And so that's where minimizers come along. And the idea of minimizers is you take a window of a certain um, width, and then you look at all the k-mirs in that window, you score the k-mirs, and you only use the lowest scoring one, that's why they're called minimizers, to either put in the index if you're working on a reference, or to look up in the index if you're on the read. So you said uh, we are scoring k-mers, and what, what does it mean? Yes. So um, the idea is we just want... There's actually like, plenty of scoring systems you can define. Um, the idea is that your scoring system just depends on the actual sequence of the k-mere. So it's completely independent of its position. You actually only use the nucleotides of the k-mere to determine the, st the score. And one very simple way to, to understand how the scoring system works is just to replace all the nucleotides, or so the ACTG, via numbers. So A would become 0, C1, T, and so, so on. And then you take the k-mir and you just read these numbers out as a consecutive number and you get maybe for three mir you get 124 and that's your score and then you just use the one with the lowest score which is the same as if you compare the the k-mirs themselves as strings in the lexicographic order yes you can also use a string uh, comparison but I mean, yeah, it's it's exactly the same. Um, one one thing that's done differently in practice, though, is um, 
you you don't want your scoring system to be quite as simple as I just described in order to avoid like very small repetitive sequence. So you don't want maybe A, C, A, C, A, C, A, C to have a low score and then be used as a minimizers all the time. So people come up with a little bit more complicated scoring system that makes sure that these um, small tandem repeats don't get used as uh, minimizers. What would be an example of a more complicated, more realistic scoring scheme? Oh, okay. So there's, um, you can come up with a bunch of stuff. It's really just uh, your creative is limitless. Um, so maybe like use a hash function? For example, you can just use the score and afterwards run it through a hash function. You can also um, not for the initial scoring system, we just use the camera in the same order that it actually occurs. You can also shuffle them around in a certain way that you always always shuffle in the same around the same way. And so once we scored every camer, we pick a window. Say maybe say ten consecutive camers, and then we score all ten of them, and then we only use the one with the lowest score. So instead of doing ten lookups, we only do one lookup, but we're very sure that this actually this this camer will be actually in our index because we've done the same thing on the reference beforehand. And since the scoring system is completely independent of position, just um, considers the sequence, we can be sure that, or relatively sure that we will find this k-mirror in our um, index. Right, as long as the whatever mismatch we have between the, the read and the reference, uh, as long as that doesn't affect the, the minimizer itself or which one is the minimizer, right? Yes. So it's surprisingly, if you actually go through and make some examples and play around with it, it actually um, is surprisingly difficult to put mismatches into a sequence in such a way that you mess up a lot of minimizers. Usually if you put in a mismatch, you will mess up maybe one or two, but then immediately afterwards, even in a window where this mismatch is still part of the part of your window, you will get the same minimizers as um, as without the mismatch. So it's surprisingly stable. So that was a brief overview of fixed sized seeds. And then we have variable sized seeds. How do they work? Yeah, yeah. So also as with the fixed size seed, there are several classes of variable sized seeds. Maybe let's start with the simplest one. I would say that's MEMS. So that's maximal exact matches. And MEMS are all matches between a reference and a read that are maximally extended. So a um, seed is maximally extended if the seed extends to either the start of the query or the end of the query. Uh, I'm using query and read as synonyms. Uh, or to the start of the reference or to the end of the reference. So it reaches one end of either sequence or it reaches um, a mismatch. And that has to happen on either side. So basically, as maximally extended says, you cannot extend the seed anymore in either direction. And if you take all of these maximal extended matches, you get the set of MEMS. And then there's um, several subsets of MEMS. So there's SMEMS, that's a very commonly used um, subset of MEMS. And then there's max spanning seeds, which is not so commonly used. And SMAM stand for like super maximal? Super maximal extended uh, matches. And the idea of these subsets is that you use the um, query positions and exclusively the query positions of the seeds to define a subset. So a SMAM is a MEM that is not enclosed by another MEM on the query. So every mem has an interval on the query. And if you have a mem and in your set of all seeds, there's no other mem that completely encompasses the mem you're looking at, then this mem is also an S mem. And this will filter out some smaller mems and it filters out a lot of um, region that are like, uh, let, let's say you have a mem that isn't closed then you know, okay, we have a match here with the reference at one position, but on this match, there's uh, it's shorter than another match, that's the enclosing mem, that points to another position. So you, most uh, probably this shorter mem is not an actual um, similarity, but just a random match. So this, this set of S-mems filters out a lot of wrong 
or seeds the misleading seeds that point into the wrong direction. One way I think to explain it is both MAMS and ASMAMS are the, the seeds you cannot extend, but the definition of extend is is different. So for MAMS, by extend you mean you have a certain location on the read and certain location on the reference, and you extend them simultaneously, right, in place, so that they, they remain uh, synchronized, they remain matching. Whereas for ASMAMS, you only consider the interval on the query, and for, for that interval, you consider all the matches in the genome. And so extend here means you extend on the query as long as there's at least one match in the genome, right? And so when you cannot extend it on the query so that there is at least one match in the genome, then you say it cannot be extended, it's super maximal. Yes, yes. And all the MEMS you found before while you were still extending, those are... Um, those are MEMS, not SMEMS. Right. But uh, you have to make sure that while you're still extending, the MEMS are only those positions that uh, basically you lose during the extension. So a position, uh, so you say you're halfway done with the extension and there's still uh, room to extend left and right on the on the query and you have a position on your reference where there's also room to extend left and right. So this would not be a MEM, the connection between these two. Only a position where you can still extend on the query further, but on the reference you're locked in, There's there would be a mismatch on the left side and on the right side. Then this would be a mem, and then while you extend further, you eventually lose this mem, and in the very last step you're left with smems, yes. So, so maybe a good way to think about this is that mems correspond to pairs of interval, right? One interval on the query, one on the reference, but smems are simply intervals on the, on the query which implicitly correspond maybe to some intervals on the on the reference, but when you're extending an SMAM, or when you cannot extend an SMAM, you cannot extend it purely as an interval on the on the query. Hmm. Okay, yeah. Or at least if you would, then you would lose all connection to the reference. Yep. Yes. Yep. And you mentioned the third uh, type, which is uh, what? Maximal spending seed. So that's uh, from, from me, from a previous paper. <laughs> and only used in the aligner I made, so not common at all. <laughs> and the idea is just to go one step further than SMEMS. Basically, SMEMS have this enclosure definition, and with maximized spending seats, um, the definition is basically, I for each maximized spending seat, there must be one position on the query where this seat is the longest seat, period. So you you can take the entire position on the entire query interval of your maximized spending seat. You have to pick one or there must be one position that you can pick. And when you look at this position, there's no other seat that's longer than the one you're currently looking at that's also overlapping this position. Interestingly, the maximized spending seats are easier to compute with the suffix array indices than SMEMS, even though their definition is stricter. It's kind of uh, contradictory, but I think we'll get into that later when we compare the runtimes and quality of seed sets. Yeah, uh, but uh, j just to make a remark, so we have these uh, nesting definition, nested definitions of of um, of MAMS. So we have MAMS, and SMAMS is a subset of MAMS, and this yes. maximum uh, spanning spanning seeds is a subset, is a subset of, the of SMAMS. Which is uh, maybe we can briefly talk about the 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 trade-offs here. So when you move to a smaller set of seeds, um, you perhaps gain some efficiency, but the the drawback is that you lose some sensitivity. So you might lose some matches, some uh, mappings that you would find otherwise. Yeah. So the idea is. Basically, since we're just using the seeds um, to find the correct alignment, I'm basically trying in the paper to talk about the absolute amount of correct information that a set of seed delivers. And with correct information, I mean the amount of information that this seed set, uh, amount of information in that seed set that points towards the correct position on the reference. So, by virtue of being subsets, the these amount of correct information has to decrease with the smaller subsets. So just because there are less seeds, period, there's no new seeds, the 
absolute amount of correct information has to decrease with every smaller subset we take. So SMEMS must have equal or less um, correct information than MEMS and the uh, maximum spending seats must have equal or less correct information than the SMEMS. So then you would say, oh, but then I will always use MEMS because that's the best uh, value for me. That's how I get the most accurate alignments. And yes, you're right, but you also uh, want to consider, consider the efficiency of your seed set. So if you take this amount of correct information, we can define it properly later, and divide it by the number of seats, then you get a rate. Um, and I, in the paper, I call it correctness rate. But basically, this rate just tells you how efficient is your seed set, how much time will you need to extract this amount of um, correct information from all your seats. Because in order to find where your seats are pointing, you will have to look at every seat. So your runtime will depend on the number of seats. And this uh, correctness rate rises with the smaller subsets. So SMEMs have a much higher correctness rate than MEMs. So even though they have less absolute information, they, in comparison to the amount of seats you have to sift through to get the correct information, there's way less sifting you have to do to find your information. And then with max spanning seats, it's even a little bit further. Um, they, you have even a little bit better correctness rate. But uh, nothing in comparison to the jump from MEMS to SMEMS, from MEMS to SMEMS, there's really a huge jump in this correctness rate. But maybe you don't necessarily want to optimize for this uh, per seed uh, amount of information or this correctness rate, because then you could end up with a very, very small set, which would map very few of your reads, while you know each seed would be super, super useful for, for mapping. But then a lot of your reads would, would yes, remain unmapped. But you have no seeds left over, so but you would be super fast. <laughs> it's kind of a trade-off. What what do you want to achieve? If do you want accuracy, then basically the recommendation is go for a MEMS, but the warning is this will take forever because you have to compute so many more seats, you have to inspect so many more seats. Um do you want uh I guess runtime uh, accuracy trade-off? then maybe you can look at the smaller seed sets and get faster for the penalty of losing um, some correct alignments. Now let, let's talk about how to compute these uh, variable sized seeds. Um, so you mentioned the um, FM index and, uh, and various variations on the FM index. And I think um, those would be perhaps best suited to compute SMEMS rather than MEMS, is that right? Yes, so there is algorithms to compute MEMS using these indices, um, but it it takes a long time. Uh, it's really slow. Um, one reason why that is, is with the FM index, you have to have a step where you um, extract all the seeds that you've computed, all the suffix array intervals, you have to extract the reference positions. And this step is um, depends on how many seats do you have computed. So the larger your seat set, the slower it will be to uh, compute with the FM index. And this last step, this extracting takes quite a, quite some time. And then the same for the extensions with MEMS, you have to do way more extensions than with SMEMS or maximize spending seats. So again, you're losing a lot of time to compute the better seed set. Would it be safe to say that until now, computing all these variable size seeds mostly relied on the FM index or were there any other approaches? Um, so, so you can compute um, via fixed size seeds. Um, so by combining fixed size seeds, I don't know if that, that's what you mean right now, because I think there's also other indices um, to compute variable sized seeds, but I personally have only worked with the FM and one variation of the FM index, the FMD index. So I've not, um, I don't have much knowledge about the runtime differences. I've seen um, some aligners that use different, um, different. Uh, so the FM FM index is a compressed index, and um, by deciding how much you compress, you can control the memory it takes. And it's like a trade-off. You can make it use more memory, but it will be faster, or you can make it lose, use less memory and make it slower. So I've only always used one implementation, and that's the FM index implementation of BWA MEM, because that I know that's just what we started with, and it's working 
good so far and BWMM is a well-used aligner, so we figured it, it's a good starting point. But there you cannot adjust the, um, the amount of compression, so you're stuck to one <laughs> particular um, form. And uh, in your paper, you propose a new way to compute variable sized uh, seeds from the fixed size seeds, right? So how how did you come up with this idea? Were there already approaches to, to do that? So interestingly, there were, there's quite a few approaches that do that. But since I'm from the read alignment area, um, there I've not seen an, a read aligner that does that, but there's plenty of genome to genome aligner that aligners that compute MEMS via fixer seeds. Um, so after we started and I had the um, draft up of the paper up on BioArchive, somebody contacted us and said, hey guys, you should also look into this area with the genome to genome aligners. And then after we basically made our algorithm, we found out, oh, there's similar algorithms to this um, already existent. <laughs> so yes, there's a few approaches. Interestingly, though, we have an ops. Uh, optimization in our approach that's not present in the other ones. So we then like kind of turned around the story of the paper a little bit from the, hey, we made this algorithm and to do something new to the, okay, now we'll analyze more and just present this optimization in the algorithm. In computing variable size seeds from fixed size seeds, at least on the face of it, seems pretty straightforward. So we talked, for example, about MAMS which are these pairs of intervals on the query and the reference that you cannot extend any further. And so you could just start with a matching k-mer between uh, the query and the reference and simply extend that k-mer in both directions until you can no longer extend it. Yes, exactly. Why is this algorithm <laughs> not a great one? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, as we've uh, discussed earlier, also with the minimizers, the, there will be multiple k-mirrors that are kind of consecutive. So if you start extending them all, you basically extend over the same region in the same mem multiple times. And then at the end, you end up with several of the same mem, and then you have to filter out all your duplicates. And so that's all the other algorithms from the genome <laughs> to genome alignment. They more or less do this in various forms so that they have various ideas to filter out duplicates and some also to like reduce the amount of duplicates along the way. Um, but our idea is, well, actually you can, during the extension of the seeds, already recognize um, uh, if the seeds are like the, the fixed size seeds or what you're just extending into the variable size seeds, if they're uh, overlapping. So if you sort them in a particular manner and then you extend, you know that there's only one possible seed the seed you're currently extending can overlap with. So then you can just check while you're extending, does it overlap now? Okay, extend one more, does it overlap now? Okay, extend one more. Oh, now it's overlapping. Then you combine them and then you start extending the combined seed. And you just need to sort it in a particular um, way. And what what is that particular way? Yeah, that's <laughs> the obvious question. Um, so the, um, you need some something called uh, what we call at least the delta values and it's basically um, you take the reference position and you subtract the query position and uh, it's easier to think of this in a like um, a geometrical way so if you imagine that you have a plane where all the seats are drawn and your reference is along the x-axis and your queries along the y-axis then seats would be 45 degree diagonal lines and this delta value is basically also this, it's, it's exactly this 45 degree line. So it, for two cameras to overlap, they need to be on the same 45 degree line. <laughs> so if you sort them according to these, then you know, okay, now all seats that might overlap at some point are, are next to each other in, the, in my array. And then you just need to sort them in a way that they appear in order. So for that, you can just sort them after their query positions or their reference positions. That's it's the same thing now. And then once you've sorted by these two values, so first by the delta values and then all seats that have the same data value by the query value, then you know, okay, when I'm extending one seat, 
to the right, then only the seed that's next to it in my array, one after it, can be the one it connects to. Right. So, so the delta value is the intercept of those lines, right? Every every seed corresponds to this forty-five degree straight line, but but these lines can differ. They're all parallel to each other, but they differ in their intercepts. But once you say the intercept is the same, it must be the same line. And so two seeds, they lie on the same line, so they essentially give you the same. Um, if, if they're close enough, right, if there, there are no mismatches between them, they would give you the same mem. In between them, they would give the same mem, yes. Cool. So that's regarding mem. Can you also reconstruct S-mems or maximum uh, spanning yeah. matches? So basically, once you have the mems, you can then apply filters to filter out um, some seeds, and then you end up with the um, S-mems or the max spanning seeds. Uh, again, interestingly, this works with uh, sorting the seeds once and then just walking over them. So if you have your set of MEMS and you computed it from the, um, the K-mirs or the minimizers, uh, and then this first algorithm that we discussed, then you can sort um, these, uh, these seeds again by their query values. So have them in order according to the query positions. And now since because of the definitions of the SMEMS is just based on the query or the query intervals and this, whether they enclose each other or not, we can just walk over all seeds in, or, in the order they appear in on the, on the query. And we always remember the, the largest end position of a seed we've seen so far. So if we then arrive at a seed, we can check is, there, is this largest end, end position that we remember further down the line than the end position of the current seed? And if that is so, then we know this current seed is enclosed, so it's not an SMEM, because if this largest end position is larger than the current seed, then there must be a seed before this current seed that's enclosing it, because we're, uh, because we're iterating over the seeds in order of their query positions. Yeah, and so it's just one iteration, and you check this end position and update it for every seed and then you end up with the uh, SMEMs. Cool. So we talked so far about KMERS. Does anything change if we reconstruct these MEMs from minimizers? Um, no, actually, interestingly, the, the algorithm... Uh, so something changes, but with already the way we've discussed the algorithm, it already will work also with minimizers. So the idea with the KMERS is with K-mirs, we know that they always overlap. And we know that with K-mirs, if we take the pure K-mirs, that there's always one K-mir that extends to the very start of a mem and always one K-mir that is at the very end of a mem. So we actually don't need any um, extensions at all. We can just merge all the K-mirs. Now with the minimizers, there are these, um, uh, these gaps in between them because they're kind of little bit randomly placed because they shift around in the windows. So now there might be gaps in between the minimizers, uh, gaps at the front of a mem and gaps at the end of a mem. But the way we've talked earlier about the algorithm to get the mems out of the k-mirs, we already talked about this extension. So this extension will work just fine on the minimizers and then extend them into uh, mems. And that's just also, you can see that in another way as well, because minimizers are just a subset of k-mirs. So if you take out uh, some k-mirs, but you make sure to keep all for at least one k-mir for each mem, then it'll just work. <laughs> Can you also calculate the maximum spanning seeds from, from your mems? Yes, so there is an algorithm to get um, the maximum spanning seeds out of the mems. And because maximum spanning seeds are a subset of s-mems, which are a subset of mems, meaning that this algorithm which works on MEMS will also work on SMEMS. And it's a little bit more complicated. You have to use an interval tree and a binary search in, inside. But the main idea of the algorithm is just for this um, positions earlier we said each, each maximally spanning seeds is defined by a position where it's the longest seed on the query. So we basically jump from these positions, from one of these positions to the next one. And at each position, we collect the maximum spanning seed for that position. And basically we use an interval tree to collect 
the maximum spending seeds at this position and then we use a binary search on the sorted seeds to find the next of these positions. And then I guess you compare the the performance, right? So in order to calculate, for example, ASMAMS, you have the FM index route or you have the um, KMERS or minimizers route. So what did you find when you compared the, the running times of these algorithms? Um, yeah, so uh, there's, it depends on a few um, factors. So what we compared for is for PacBio reads and for Illumina reads, but maybe let's just start for the PacBio reads. And what we actually did is we simulated PacBio reads, but with different error rates. So we used a, um, we basically applied a factor to the different error rates and we modulated that factor from zero to one or a little bit over one. So basically zero means perfect reads and then one means error reads exactly the same way that we sampled them from a real world data set. And then over one means there's actually more errors. And um, so the different indices behave differently. Maybe you could provide some intuition, like why would the error rate affect the, the runtime of your algorithm? Okay, um, so that's because it affects the amount of seeds that you will compute. Not so much for the k-mirs, not so much for the minimizers, and not so much for the MEMS, but it will affect the runtimes for the S-MEMS and the maximally spanning seeds because those um, those seed sets are defined via the query intervals. So let's say we have a perfect read and then basically we will have one MEM that spans over this entire read. So this MEM will be an S-MEM, but it will cancel out all other MEMs from, from being S-MEMs. So suddenly our set of S-MEMs becomes way, way smaller and the same for the maximally spanning seeds. And if we compute this um, set of S-MEMs with the FMD index, we compute it directly. So we don't go over this intermediate step with the MEMS. So suddenly this FM, the FMD index has a huge advantage because it just directly computes the one SMEM that we're looking for or the one maximally spanning seed that we're looking for. Whereas the minimizers or and the, the fixed size seeding has to go through this intermediate step where it just computes all the other seeds, then combines them and then eventually figures out, oh, there was one that spans over the um, the entire query, why did I do all this extra work in figuring out these smaller pieces that are now worthless? Mm -hmm. that, that makes perfect sense. But um, also makes me wonder whether by knowing the error rate in advance, we, we have some idea, for example, are we using the hi-fi reads or are we using the, the noisy reads? Um, we could maybe adjust if we're using minimizers, we can use different window length, right? Because if it's a very high quality read, we can afford to have a longer uh, window. Yes, exactly. So in our analysis, we basically found for CCS reads, so for the circular consensus PacBio reads, that's the high quality um, ones. You actually are faster with the um, FMD index for computing SMEMs and maximally spanning seeds than via this other route, via the fixed size seeding. But the um, pure uh, minimizer computation still beats both of them. But then on the other side, if you go to the lower quality reads, the CLR, the uh, what's it? That's continuous long uh, pack bio reads, so the lower quality pack bio reads then the SMEM and max spanning seed computation via the fixed size seeding actually outperforms the FMD index. Um, only when you start to modulate the error rate to almost zero, then it suddenly comes back, but that's basically the same as going over to the CCS pack bio reads, so. <laughs> and um, maybe to connect these terms, these, very, uh, these various seeding strategies, can you talk about which real-world read mappers use um, which um, seeding strategies, which algorithms? Yeah, so l most long read mappers actually use uh, fixed-sized seeds, and a lot of them shifted over to minimizers when they came out. And one, I think what shifted into this direction is Minimap and Minimap 2. And I feel like there was a period after Minimap 2 came out where all the other read uh, long read mappers went like, oh, we now also implemented minimizers. So they went away from the various different um, seeding techniques that they used before. And now minimizers seem to be almost the standard for long read mapping. Um, for short read mapping, 
there is more variation, but for example, BWMM uses SMEMs, just as an example. <laughs> so variable size seats are also actually used in practice. And uh, what are what are the trade-offs between um, variable size seats versus fixed size seats? Like if you were and I understand you are working on, on your aligner, which we'll talk about in a bit, but uh, how would you pick the strategy? What uh, what affects your choice? Yeah, so so one thing that we haven't talked about so far yet in, the, in this trade-off is um, occurrence filtering. So basically the human genome is very repetitive. I think most everybody knows that. But that actually creates a problem for read mappers. So there are some sequence. Um, let's let me backtrack a little bit. So for our read mappers, we have a maximal size of the seeds that we can compute. We cannot say we want seeds of length 100 because the sequencer will introduce errors, and the errors occur in a certain frequency. And if we enforce a seed length larger than this error rate then we will not find any seeds anymore. So our seeds have to be relatively short. So let's say we're limited to roughly seeds of size, size 16, let's say. The problem is then now there are sequences of length 16 on a human genome that occur millions of times. And if we want to actually create an efficient aligner, then we have to, uh, we cannot compute millions of seeds for the same query interval. So we have to filter out these seeds somehow. And that's something that we in the paper refer to as occurrence filtering. And most aligners, I think all aligners pretty much do that internally via different thresholds. And with the FMD index, that's actually pretty easy to do because you, when initially computing your seed, you um, compute a suffix array interval. And then each entry in the suffix array interval uh, corresponds to one reference position. So before extracting your seeds, you can actually just check the length of the suffix array interval, and then you know how many reference positions you will get for the query position, a uh, query interval you computed the seed for. And then you throw away anything that's that occurs too many times, and you don't even have to look at it. That's the nice thing about the FMD index. Um, with the minimizer index or k-near index, we can do that also in a similar way. We can basically, when computing the index for the reference, already um, take out anything in the index that has too many reference positions. So we have our hash keys, and then we just check, oh, this hash key has one million entries on the reference. Okay, let's delete this one. This one doesn't exist. But now we have a difference in the filtering. So with the FMD index, I will first compute my... Um, full seed, so the full length of my variable size seed. Um, and then I will decide, do I throw it away because it occurs too many times or do I keep it? But with the um, fixed size seeding, this decision on wh what to throw away and what to keep is done for the fixed size intervals. So my fixed size intervals are smaller, sometimes much smaller than the um, variable size seed. And it can happen, and actually does happen quite frequently, that all these fixed size subintervals of the variable size seeds by themselves occur too many times, so they get thrown away. But the complete interval, so what the FMD index will compute, that then occurs uh, only a few times, so we would keep it. And so this way, suddenly computing the SMEMs or max, span max spanning seeds via minimizers or just using minimizers, we are, we are suddenly missing some intervals that we would otherwise have if we had used the FMD index. Are there any remedies? Are there any clever ideas to, to avoid that? Uh, no, actually, at the moment, uh, there's nothing that I know of you can get around with this. So you should just be very careful with, with filtering, right? In picking what index you use. And one thing that you can do is minimizers you can the hash table lookups are much much faster than the FMD index extension. So you can actually set a higher occurrence filter on the minimizers than you would do with the FMD index in order to remedy the this like difference a little bit. But yeah, that's that's all you can do. If you want the full quality than the FMD index, then you should choose the FMD index. Yeah, that makes sense. But um uh, sort of talking about FM index or FMD index versus uh, minimizers. 
what about using fixed size seeds versus variable size seeds where variable size seeds are computed from from gamers, right? For from fixed size seeds. So um, if we decided to use minimizers, um, we would have a choice either to use minimizers themselves as seeds or extend them to as maps or to maximum spanning seeds. Yes. It seems intuitive that extending to longer seeds is better, like following your algorithm is better. Are there any drawbacks to using um, to using uh, MAMS or, or a subset of MAMS as seeds? So I imagine you you're losing a little bit in sensitivity, right? You you might lose some valid mappings if you extend your seeds. Um, any any other considerations? Yeah. Well, interestingly, the um, long read aligners at the moment do not extend their uh, fixed size seeds into variable size seeds. They actually work directly on the fixed size seeds. And I think the 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 reason for that is um, you spend some time uh, reducing the size of your seed set with these algorithms to get them down to SMEMs and max spanning seeds. And the only advantage, because as we earlier said, the SMEMs are subsets, are subsets of the MEMs and the max spanning are subset of the SMEMs. And MEMs and KAMIAs are actually equal. So you can show that they show that they cover the same intervals on, uh, that they show the same equivalences between reference and query. So you can only lose information if you go down this path. What you gain is you also filter out a lot more false seeds. Um, so the question is now, um, is your seed processing algorithm, so what the aligner will do after the seeds are computed, will start processing the seeds maybe via chaining or some other algorithms. Is that thing slower than this pass to the SMEMs? Then yes, you should do it. You should go down maybe to the SMEMs and use, or at least to the MEMs and use those in your seed processing. Or is that algorithm actually so efficient that you can directly um, use the um, K-mirs then you just directly use the KMS. And at the moment, people use the minimizers directly, but I'm not so sure if that's actually because they've tried it out, but more so because it's one one less algorithm you have to worry about and one less algorithm you have to implement. So it's just a matter of practicality. Can you talk a little more a little more about um, the, the equivalence between uh, MAMS and, uh, and uh, KMS that you mentioned? So between MEMS and KMIS, it's actually um, pretty easy to see. You can just take the MEM and cut it down into K-sized pieces, and then you would have the set of KMIS because... Right, but what is the statement? What, is, what does the equivalence actually mean? Basically, it means if you have a set of the full set of KMIS and a full set of MEMS, they express the exact same thing, just in two different ways. But the MEMS will use less seeds in order to do so than the KMIS. But they... They differ in the sense that if you use MAMS as seeds or if you use KMERS as seeds, you would get a broader set of alignments from KMERS rather than from MAMS, right? Because if you use KMERS from seeds and then you apply dynamic programming, then you don't assume that the extension of KMERS match Exactly. So a dynamic programming algorithm would find more alignments that are not necessarily exact extensions of gamers. Whereas if you extend them to MEMS, then you you essentially guide your dynamic programming algorithm to say, oh, ignore the possibility of inserting a mismatch here or an indel here, but assume that this is an exact match. Ah, okay. Um, so that kind of depends on how you apply your um, dynamic programming in the end. So there are some aligners, um, for example, BWMEM, that just uses the seeds to find a reference interval. And then once the aligner has the reference interval, it will just throw away all seeds and start dynamic programming between the query and this reference interval. So even though he has MEMS, he doesn't use them at all in the final alignment and he might just go a completely different path because that's the higher score. There are others aligners, and that's um, especially for long read aligners. They cannot do this anymore because it becomes too expensive with the PetBio or even with Oxford Nanopore reads. 
and those aligners will only do dynamic programming in between the seats. So they have two seats and there's a gap that they have to fill and then they will fill this gap. But I think in this case, if you would chain your K-mirrors and you would have them overlapping, then there wouldn't be the gaps between the overlapping K-mirrors. Uh, so basically where, where your mem, mem would be, you would have a chain of overlapping K-mirrors and then via the chaining algorithm, you just don't do any dynamic programming for that area. And then only once the mem ends, you will do some, some area of dynamic programming. Um, that's for K-mirrors. If you go to minimizers, then there might be small gaps in between your seats because the minimizers are a subset of K-mirrors and there's just some K-mirrors missing. And you could, with the algorithm where you extend your minimizers to the mems, you can avoid this dynamic programming, yes. Yeah, okay, that's that's very insightful. Um, cool, and, um, and so do you wanna talk a little bit about the aligner that you're working on? Yeah, uh, so interestingly, I did the aligner first, and uh, basically we uh, we did uh, our new seat sets, that's the maximal spanning seats, and the advantage of that is compared to the SMEMs that with the FMD index, you can actually compute them faster, even though they have a higher correctness rate. So you get less seats with a higher rate of information, and you can compute them faster, and that kind of gives you a speed boost, but doesn't drop off your quality that much. Obviously, you lose some quality because it's a subset of the SMEM. So by virtue of being a subset, you can never quite get the quality of SMEMs. And then we also did uh, a different seed processing algorithm than the chaining with some line sweep algorithms. Yeah, and then once we were done, we were kind of <laughs> a little bit wondering about hey, is the seed set we used actually better? How do we analyze that? Because what we did, just like most other people that do aligners, we analyzed the aligner at the whole thing. So as one black box, throw the reads in, check the accuracy. Maybe throw reads with structure variance in, check the accuracy on structure variance. But it would be kind of nice to see the difference between the seed sets. And you cannot just swap out the seed set and leave the backend of the aligner there. Uh, because the backend might work better on, on some seats than on the other. So that's why we made the second paper where we then started kind of analyzing the different seat sets and also got the idea, hey, we could try to show the equivalence between fixed size and variable size seating. And then, oh, if, they must, if there's an equivalence, there must be a way to compute variable size seats out of fixed size seats. So that's how this all started. Actually, now that I'm done with both of them, I wish I would have done the <laughs> second one first because now I know so much more about the um, seat sets and have so much more information. And then after this, doing the aligner would have been helpful, but you know, that's, <laughs> you cannot know that in advance. What is your aligner called? Is it released? MA, the modular aligner. So there's a GitHub for it. Um, the idea is a little bit different than other aligners. Usually other aligners are mo monolithic structures. So they just build one big C code or C++ code. And then we actually developed it as several modules. So little small pieces of C++ code. And then you can use Python to combine them. So you can basically set up a graph with Python say, this module comes after this one, comes after this one, comes after this one. And then you can tell the C++ code, now go and execute this graph and it will just run through it. And the idea behind it is you can really start playing around with all the different things. We basically for the second paper, in order to analyze it, we also use the same, uh, the same structure and we reuse the modules because it basically allows you to do your analysis in Python and play around with the different C++ algorithms without losing that much performance because uh, the, um, the code doesn't jump back and forth between Python. Once you have set up your graph, it will just run through it and give you the output. That's, that's a really cool idea. Yeah, it's more of a toy though. And like I'm experimentally trying things out then because obviously by doing this more complex structure, it's more complex to use. You have to set it up. You have to install Python and when you compile it and so on, not just compile your C program and you're done like with Minimap or VWMM. <laughs> but I imagine you, you ran some benchmarks against the mainstream aligner. So how does yours compare? Yes. Um, so one thing that we found is that our 
I uh, I think that is the it's the back end because now that I've done the seeding analysis, I can say it's definitely not my seed set because my seed set is a subset and therefore cannot be better quality. But the back end that we use for the chaining instead of the chaining um, reacts very well if there's um, large insertions and deletions in your um, in your read and also if your read quality is very bad. If you have long reads with bad quality then uh, we re this backend works well. Well, well compared to others, right? Well, well compared to, for example, Minimap 2. I'm mostly, I would say, Minimap 2 is st state of the art, what everybody uses. So I don't think it's our seed set because I know now from the second, second paper that the seed set is a subset of the SMEMs. So basically the quality of the seeds must be equal or less to than what other aligners use and for example, what Minimap uses, but I th uh, therefore it must be, if it's not the front end, it must be the back end. So it must be the chaining that react reacts well to large insertions, large deletions, and also very noisy reads compared to Minimap 2, for example. Um, so that's some one thing we could show that basically our the accuracy of every aligner will drop off eventually if you decrease the quality of the reads, but our drop off just happens later than Minimap 2's drop off. Um, we are the only aligner that I know of that still uses variable size seeds, so the FMD index at the moment for their seeding. All the other aligners moved over to some form of fixed size seeding, most to minimizers. Wait, but you said FM index, so aren't you using your strategy of extending minimizers to... No, because I actually aligned I did that before, right? All oh, right, so you haven't updated it to your latest findings. No, that's not done yet. Basically... Um, well, mostly what is missing is an analysis again, if it actually helps, what are the differences and it's, but it's on the old, the, the initial algorithm that I did is for this maximum spending seed sets from the FND index. That's what I started with. And that's what's in the aligner and that's what I analyzed. So that's what I can talk about now comparing to other aligners. Um, yeah, interest is not quite as fast as Minimap 2. And that's also something I can see now in the second paper again, that uh, minimizers are faster to compute than uh, variable size seeds. But interestingly, even though the other, uh, a bunch of other aligners like NGMLR, Blazar, and GraphMap, they also use some form of fixed size seeding, we still outperform them with respect to runtime. Yeah, and then at least in my measurements, accuracy for most aligners on high quality read is pretty similar. So there's not much difference there. <laughs> Here's an interesting idea. And I think your modular aligner could be well suited to, to implement it. So what if you were to create, when you index the genome, what if you were to create both indices? So you'd create an FMD index and a minimizer index. And then somehow, you know, when, when you're giving a large set of reads to align, you would maybe align a few reads and um, and figure out which um, which index works better based on the you know read quality based on how many seeds do you get with each uh, approach and then maybe even change the seeding um, seed set that you actually use so maybe try maximize spending seeds and then yeah. you realize oh, all yeah. the quality of reads is so bad we need to go to a larger set yeah uh, actually the modules are there so I I've spent a lot of time on putting the pieces there, so all the modules to for the different algorithms, all the modules to the indices are there. Actually, for the indices, I've used the the minimizer index from Minimap 2 and the FMD index from BWMM, so I'm <laughs> a little bit borrowing there. Um, but the actual algorithm for getting the different seed sets, I implemented all of these, and actually, you could put that together pretty quickly, probably. The, the challenge then just becomes to come up with an algorithm that decides when to swap to what and why, and then analyze that and optimize it, yeah. All right, Marcus, well, it was great to talk to you. I'm looking forward to seeing your modular aligner as like, you know, the, the one aligner to, to rule them all. That would be exciting. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I feel like the, like uh, most people have decided that Minimap is industry standard and it's working well, so I don't know. I don't consider my chances that high, but I feel like I... Oh, come on. Uh, so <laughs> before Minimap appeared, then everyone knew that whatever, BWA was the, the gold standard or Bowtie was the gold standard. So 
I think there, there's always uh, room for <laughs> for newcomers. Well, I I at the moment consider it as something like a, a playground. So I mostly mostly see the the audience of MA to people that actually want to play around with aligners or maybe just parts of alignment. Maybe you just want to do seeding, then it's like a good way. If you want to even start in Python, you can like use the C modules. Uh, as you wish, and then you can access everything in Python and kind of play around with it, get an idea what works, and then maybe afterwards implement your implement the best solution after you've played around and figured out what what's what works and what doesn't. Right. So we'll have a link to the modular aligner in the show notes. And uh, Marcus, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It was very fun. <laughs> I like talking. About the research, it's nice sharing and <laughs> seeing that people are interested. <laughs>